My name is Mark McGowan, and you are listening to Inspire Radio. This is Coffee with Caro. Good afternoon, listeners, and thank you so much for tuning into Coffee with Caro. It's an absolute pleasure to be back with you again today. It's only two minutes past 12, and it's the 31st of August. So far, all things look good as far as our weather is concerned. We are heading for a maximum of 17, and um, it is going to rain. So just, yeah, be cool. Don't stress. It's going to water the garden, and um, there's going to be what the weather department has called a squally thunderstorm so uh, look out for that other than that we are doing very well a couple of alerts on the freeways just that graham farmer freeway eastbound i know that uh, my co-host and uh, absolute all-time star lady danny who has uh, left and we've had uh, gabby and her team on she has been telling you all about it. The left lane is blocked, as you know. That's eastbound on the Graham Farmer Freeway Tunnel near Perth. So watch out for that breakdown. On the Great Northern Highway, we've got uh, reduced visibility again, just near that uh, Bohemia Down station. Again, extreme caution, please, everybody out there. And um, there's another one which is out near Two Rocks. Don't know if we're reaching that far, but just so that you know, exercise extreme caution because there's smoke over the road. It's wonderful to be here. Looking forward to introducing my first guest of the day and uh, speaking to you about uh, all things Quinana Industries Council a little later on with Chris Outen, the CEO of Quinana Industries Council. I'm looking forward to you spending time on Coffee with Caro today. The community inspire radio. You're on Coffee with Caro, and it's such a delight today to be joined by Ming Johansson. Ming Johansson works with businesses across the globe from training social media to managing, with her team, really complex digital strategies that deliver tangible and desirable financial returns. She's dedicated to shaping the landscape for leaders to adapt their management, their sales and marketing culture to fit into the modern day world of hyperconnectivity. She was recently recognized and awarded for her ongoing contribution to the technology industry in the form of the 2019 Women in Technology Tech Plus 20 Awards. Ming is a passionate mental health ambassador for RUOK Day, a co-facilitator in Startup Weekend Perth and a regular Australian media commentator. She's on 6PR, you can see her on Channel 9 and you can catch her on ABC National. As a tech evangelist and a range of topics in mental health, social media and technology. Ming is also just a lovely, lovely person, a really good person to to work with and collaborate with and she's also a mother to unicorns. <laughs> Ming Johansson, welcome to Coffee with yeah, Caro. And extremely good looking and talented, if I don't <laughs> and say, all of, say myself. All of those things. <laughs> so modest. Those things. So modest. <laughs> It's absolutely fabulous to have you, Ming. I'm going to ask you to just literally take over and tell us a little bit about your background, your journey, personal journey and your business journey. I know listeners are hanging out to hear uh, your story. Uh, so I've been in business for 10 years. Um, it's interesting, I was saying to, some, to somebody the other day that uh, it takes 10 years for you to be an overnight success. <laughs> like only 10 years. Only 10 years to be an overnight success. Um, so I've been in business and I've managed businesses uh, prior to that. I was working for Telstra for my sins. <laughs> and um, so I used to be in telecommunications. So I've always been aspired by technology and I, I love and adore technology very much. So um, a, a lot of what I talk about for those that don't know who I am, um, I'm a massive ambassador for mental health. Part of that is uh, in my uh, childhood, so from the ages of zero to 17, I grew up in a very violent, volatile environment. Um, so I grew up in, an, in a, uh, an abusive cycle and domestic violence, mm -hmm. which is um, very difficult to overcome when that's all you know. And uh, isn't it amazing how that really does shape your future, doesn't it? Um, it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to. It doesn't to define, define your future, but it shapes your future. It does um, help us it, turn into who we're going to become. It shapes, it shapes a roadmap on how you deal with certain scenarios. So I have a diagnosis of PTSD anxiety disorder, mm -hmm. um, which looking at me, most people wouldn't know that. So I am constantly overcoming 
like invisible barriers and invisible bat- battles that are going on in my head more often than yes. not than um, than in reality. And as you say, in your head more often than not, because mostly we see you moving through the world with great confidence and great aplomb, looking you know, out there looking, outgoing, confident and certainly being in in a situation where you appear to be managing your own self and your life in such an incredible way. I think a lot of people are often confronted by how candid I can be about um, domestic violence and about mental health and about PTSD and anxiety and uh, suicide even and depression. Mm. Um, and I, a lot of the reason why I am so candid is I always think to the child that might be out there or the even the adult that might be out there going through a similar battle or a similar story or journey and they haven't seen an example of themselves out there in the world actually winning, actually yes, doing actually something achieving. good because it's so easy to buy into this story that you're a victim and that's all you'll ever be, um, whereas I'm constantly battling against that stigma. Yeah, and doing really well in winning that battle or appearing to win that battle? You know, it's taken me a very long time, what feels like a lifetime, to be able to even acknowledge success. Because for me, things... um, So especially when I won the award for the Women in Tech, when I got recognised for that last year, that was such an overwhelming win. And for those that were there, I burst into into tears on stage and everybody was like, oh, that's so cool. What they didn't realise was I was having a PTSD Moment. Moment on stage because um, the feeling of success was hardwired into me that something it would be followed by something very violent mm. and something very volatile. So mm. it's taken me years of therapy and years of work um, and we'll continue to do so. I'll continue to work on those things yeah. so that I can show up on programs like this and talk yes, about mental yes. health. And, talk and about we're so, things. so, so grateful for that because we're just um, a radio show that is designed for our community here, I mean, nationally in Australia and yeah. at home in Rockingham in the Southwest Corridor. And um, we are designed really to speak into the lives of people suffering from mental health and just generally wanting to promote and advocate for people's well-being, whether that well-being is around sport and getting more active, whether it's around listening to and playing incredible music or whether it is about addressing, uh, you know, issues of homelessness, dependency. Uh, we, we deal with um, anybody and everybody who wants to move their life in transition. I yeah. always say um, everybody, including myself, is in a state of transition. And it's when you recognise that you are just starting to achieve or just getting over a recent failure or just managing to get out and about. Um, yeah. Whatever your Everest is, we are here to support those people in our community. And I know you've had some pretty significant Everests that you've had to climb and conquer um, from a professional point of view. But from a business point of view, tell us about how your journey in business got started. Where did the passion come from? Because you were working for Telstra and then all of a sudden you went, I'm going to do this. So I was a business manager in Telstra. I was quite successful in that job um, looking back now. And and what's interesting about that was um, in that role, I um, my store had reached a, a level of success that it meant that the store was getting rebranded as a proper Telstra store. Um, it, you know, it was it was a separate brand prior to that, and uh, I was then asked to reapply for my job. Right. And I realised then, um, so one of the co- company ethos or company um, values, values was that their people and their customers were everything to them. And in that moment, I realised that they va- they were not living to their values and so it wasn't aligned with me. Um, and I may have rage quit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> in that moment. You were just young. <laughs> I, might, I might have in my foolishness rage quit. Um, I don't regret that move and certainly uh, I definitely went in without any plan. Right. <laughs> and, um, but because I was working with technology, with mobile phones and smartphones, I thought that there was a business there in teaching people how to use their technology. Um, there wasn't because <laughs> I realised... Because uh, the stores were doing that. Well, yeah, and that's exactly the point was I had this um, false validation which and that, that's almost every single startup 
journey is this false um you, you kind of give yourself a false positive that you're you convince yourself that there's something in your business yeah. and you fall in love with it and you become this romantic for this business idea only to realize that it's really not working yeah. um you know and I, I did a business plan I think I did like a 54 page business plan of course you did of course I did yeah <laughs> because I'm an overachiever <laughs> and so and I took that to like the small business development um, corporation. corporation with the government and they took one look at it and said oh yeah come back and see us in six <laughs> months and I was so bitterly disappointed <laughs> as how much effort and work I'd put into this business plan. And didn't Finally, they see how incredible didn't you they were? see how incredible <laughs> I was? You know, the outrage. Um, so much ego back then it was hilarious and uh, I did go back to them six months and I at that stage I um, sort of well, in startup, we call it pivot. We pivot our yes, idea because yes. you realise that there's not really much money in what I was trying to do. Yes, um, and because everybody was going to the Telstra store <laughs> to figure out how to use their technology, um, and I had a wedding celebrant uh, that I met at a baby naming ceremony. Um, Brad Whitelock, shout out to Brad, all those years ago, ten years ago, um, and Brad. He, he was like, oh, you, you seem to know what you're doing with social media. We had like 162 fans at that stage and we were using social media to market ourselves. Yes. And he was like, oh, you could teach a group of wedding celebrants on how to use social media. And, you know, at that stage in business, I'm like, sure, I'll take I'll anything. I'll do anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that and was today too, you would still take a big group of wedding celebrants. I and still you do. would be nice and so, you would so, teach them. So what's funny, what's funny is that I still do um, – <laughs> A lot of training with those Fantastic. guys. Fantastic. Still now, ten years on. Um, like every every year, I usually do some training with a group. Of, update. Group of wedding, yeah, because the technology is constantly changing. Yeah. Um, so it turns out wedding celebrants are really well connected <laughs> to the wedding industry, um, and that's really how we got our start. Um, and like my business has definitely evolved a lot from there. So mm. you know, at the core of it, a lot of it is around educating people on how to use all these social media tools that are often available for free on how to grow their business and leverage their business. Yeah, fantastic, so. fantastic. We're going to have more from Mingya Hansen straight after this. For the community, Inspire Radio. Nearly caught me there because yeah. we were chatting yeah. so much. Oh. That was interesting. <laughs> Tell me, um, before you go any further, I have to acknowledge a listener has just come through on private message. And she has Thanks asked, for tuning in. Yeah, I'm so excited that, uh, that we've got some engagement happening. So um, this young lady has asked, she said, can I please ask Ming if it is important to do study before you go into a tech job? Um, so bit of a loaded question. So first of all, in terms of my tech journey, I did zero study. Um, now that's not to say that I didn't learn things. Um, so there were certainly opportunities for me to do training. There's so much information online for technology, especially when it comes to programming. Um, so there's, when you're learning to, like I learned to program websites when I was 15 and I learned how to set those things up all on my own because the information was free and available online. Wow. Um, now, there's certainly a growing industry in places like cybersecurity because we have more and more um, people getting hacked, more and more businesses are at risk. Uh, and I would recommend doing a course on cybersecurity because it's typically a year. You can do a year, year course at TAFE. Okay. Um, and it's a highly sought after role at the moment. So okay. it's a very, very large growing industry. I hope that answers the question. But look, a lot of people in the tech industry would say that their journey here wouldn't have necessarily been a straight line through education and then into a job. Yes. Um, like a lot of us have come from other industries or other jobs and that in itself is quite good because you're bringing in design concepts from other other experiences. Right, right. So... Um there, there's another person has just come through. Um, thank you so much, Sharon, for your question. She said that she wanted to know if we had anything called code like girl or girls who code. 
um, in Perth. It's about uh, encoding. I take it is about programming. Yeah. Um, so there is a, a she codes which is run by a, f- a friend of mine, Kate Kerwin. Shout out to Kate. Okay. Uh, it's a brilliant program. You should absolutely uh, get involved in that. There's also Coda Dojo, which is for younger kids, um, and I'd absolutely highly recommend. Um, kids, kids of all ages, to yeah, get involved. There in might that. even be a chance for me in there. Yeah, well done, thank you, Sharon. Thank you for your questions, and um, yeah, that's awesome. And if you have um, any questions, uh, any questions for Mingya Hansen, please flick, the, flick them through on our Facebook page. That is Inspire Radio Online. You are so welcome to um, ask Ming anything that you want to. While we've got her trapped in the no. studio <laughs> and she cannot move, no, she'll have to be <laughs> put. <laughs> No, I'm kidding. Um, I would say also just anybody that is listening, um, coding is not necessarily the be-all and end-all of technology. There's so many different roles and jobs and positions in, in like even just to test software, so just to turn it on and off and to figure out how it works is is a lot of um, – and break it, see if you can break the software. So there's – Oh, that would be fun. Yeah. I, might, I might have an, a chance in there. <laughs> so, yeah, even things like – from a design aspect of making sure that you're designing technology that's accessible for people who have accessibility issues like um, sight or audio or... Yeah, yeah. So how are you building software? Lots of different pathways. Yeah, there's so many different roles um, and things that... So even if you've got a little bit of a design slant, there isn't a single job in existence right now that doesn't use technology. Correct. Um, and you future-proofing yourself in terms of your career journey. Absolutely. If um, if if you go and you Google any one of your local TAFEs, if you Google any of the local universities and the organisations and um, the type of initiatives that uh, Ming has mentioned, just Google them. Have a look and see what they recommend. And if you're a young person, have a look at what is available within your own city council. I know City of Rockingham has got um, an offshoot of the code dojo so there are different events that happen down at our local uh, Rockingham library you can tune into those and uh, City of Kunana also has um, the iDiversity program as well as iWoman program and both of those actually do encourage women in technology and also women in industry so um, two brilliant pathways it's just a matter of reaching out asking questions and sometimes it's even good to find yourself a mentor yeah absolutely yeah. So during your business journey, your business evolved and you now not only deliver workshops, but you're also an international speaker. Tell us okay. about your travel. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I do speak all uh, more all over Australia. All over I've spoken Australia. a little bit. I've spoken on podcasts and been interviewed overseas, so I guess that counts. Um, yeah, I do a lot of public speaking, um, mostly because I really enjoy it. Uh, initially, it was actually so I could escape my business and force my team to not need me during the <laughs> which is a weird thing to say, but it was actually uh, a process that I picked to force the business to future-proof itself without me. Okay. Um, because I'm a, a big proponent of making sure that your business is future-proofed, that it's not just reliant on you being in yes. it. Otherwise, you'll never take a holiday and you'll never take time off. So things like that became really important components. And so um, I would – and normally this time of year I would be in Sydney or Melbourne and obviously because of the current Can't climate, travel, that's not yeah. happening at the moment, um, I would be on stage for – uh, the social media marketing uh, summit and for the developer conferences. Beautiful. So, um, and is yeah. that exciting? What happens there? Who attends and um, uh, what problems are they trying to solve? So a lot of a lot of people in the tech industry, whether or not they're business owners or developers or software designers or um, people geared around human centered design, um, people who are in management as well. Mm-hmm. So there's there's all sorts of people that show up to these events, um, which I really love. And uh, like, what was the talk? I, I gave a talk last year, which was on or two talks. I gave one on unconscious bias, one on um, the ethics of the internet, which is a challenging topic, okay. especially right now, um, and another talk on invisible leadership. Right, right. So talk to us a little bit about unconscious bias, how um, I noted recently that something 
which really surprised me and I could clearly see where they were coming from. I am an Airbnb owner yep. and uh, my husband and I drive uh, our Airbnb um, guest listing through their platform, which yep. is a wonderful integrated platform. You can use it on any device. I can book clients in and out from wherever I am, just off my phone. And it's it's one of three businesses I run literally off of my phone. Yep. And uh, Airbnb have changed their platform so that you now no longer have access to the image of the person that is making application to book your apartment, yep. only once you confirm yep. and a booking is in place do you then get um, a, a clear idea of what the pe- person looks like. Yeah. And so um, I was really interested in this and I, and I wondered if people are using an unconscious bias or, or unconsciously judging or… Are um, I'm not sure if that's being unconscious. Said, that's not… A, I would I would call that conscious. That's conscious, yeah. That Perhaps be, having a, a bias, bias. Yeah. yeah, having a bias or having some sort of judgment happening that's that you're not even aware of. Perhaps so just by looking at the image of somebody. So the best example that I can use for unconscious bias, I actually tend not to talk about race and gender in this particular um, instance. Okay. And what I actually talk about is money. Okay. What is your beliefs around money? You know, money is fill the gap. Power. Power, right. Yeah. So for me, money was the root of all evil. Okay. Right. And so if I held this belief... and I, I should I, have I actually said choice. <laughs> now you caught me on the, on the fly there. <laughs> no, but that's the point is that yeah. I'm, I'm asking you a question and, and whatever your immediate response is... That's probably is, my gut is, instinct. <laughs> is what your, your unconscious brain will just pull it out yeah. straight away. Um, and I actually have a process that I run. Um, I run a digital disconnect retreat and I go through a list of 32 things like what leaders are or people are or the internet is and you fill in the blanks. Um, But the money one is an interesting one because whatever you think about money, whether it's negative or positive, it will drive your relationship in your business as well. So obviously I've told you mine, money is the root of all evil. So if money is the root of all evil, why would I want any? Yeah, you wouldn't be actively campaigning to – I don't want to be evil. So so all of those unconscious patterns then drive my behaviour in my business. Interesting. And I would constantly set myself up. Obviously I don't hold that belief anymore and I've worked very hard on bringing that into conscious awareness – but, you know, so things like this also m- moves into the way that we develop technology. Um, so the example that I can give is Facebook. Facebook was designed with the idea that a connected world would be a wonderful thing. It would be a positive. It would be a positive yeah, thing. Yeah, glorious. people who developed it had only ever experienced really a positive experience from being connected with people on the internet because the nerds started it all, right? So we only ever connected with other people that were like us. Mm. Except the problem that you have is you have all these different cultural nuances that you're shoving onto one One. single platform. Mm. And so my background, obviously, from my name, it's a bit, it's a bit odd. Mingya Hansen, bit, bit of a bit of a strange name. I'm half Chinese, half Swedish, Australian made, but I've got imported bits. <laughs> all right. Um, so and it's a beautiful blend. It, yes, it is. <laughs> um, so you have these very different cultural nuances with those two cultures. In um, in Chinese culture, I don't say please and thank you usually mm-hmm. to people very often. Um, because it's, of course, I would do a thing. Of course, I would give you help. Of course, I would yeah. support Naturally, you. Naturally, I've come to Naturally, be on coffee with Kara. Of course, I would. <laughs> yeah, of course, I would. Absolutely. Um, so I don't, I don't tend to say please or thank you for anything because I don't think it's necessary. There's no, there's no need for it, and that's very much an Eastern thought process. In a Western thought process, and I've, I have English mates who will confirm this, <laughs> if you don't say please and thank you, you're a heathen. Exactly. How and dare you? The outrage. The How South dare Africans, you not say please and thank you? And the South Africans are please and thank youing their way through every <laughs> single part of the day. Thank yeah. you. Please go, go ahead of me. Thank you. Off yeah. you go. Please. May I? You know, it's absolutely, it's so, part of breathing. So you have these different cultural nuances. So of course we don't get along. Yeah. Right. So so here we are expecting the design of this platform to suddenly make everybody get along. It's not going to happen because people are a big driver behind that. And all people have is some kind of unconscious bias that's come and shaped from your upbringing, your schooling, your education, your religion, your, you know, your friends, your family. 
that whole ideology that you are the five people that you spend the most time with. Yes, I love yeah. that. So if if you're hanging out with people who have polarising opinions, your opinions are eventually going to shift. Yes. So understanding that everything that we do and everything that we – especially when it comes to things, um, and I, I mentioned it before, accessibility. Mm. So we don't design things typically for accessibility because we're not the ones experiencing it. Yes. Yes, I absolutely agree with you and understand completely. And same and goes for mental health. Yes, right? well, we've just recently had uh, <coughs> some people join our team as volunteers here on Inspire Radio, and we have everything from physical um, needs, special needs that, that need to be fulfilled, as well as um, mental health um, issues that we need to take into cognizance. And just very recently in a, in a team briefing, we all focused on, let's be very clear that we have a really broad cross-section of wonderful, incredible, talented people on Inspire Radio and that we are all able to be triggered by different things and yeah. you need to really, really be mindful of it. It's being made aware. It's yeah. often, it's not that Just people don't want to, yeah, it's not Just that people don't want to be, um, don't want to be supportive and ensure that they do and say the right things, you know. Yeah. Um, it's just, as you say, just being conscious. You're listening to Coffee with Caro. My guest in the studio is Minya Hansen. We'll be back right after this. My name's Mark McGowan and you are listening to Inspire Radio. I work in human resources and I remember one day observing my manager who was supporting an employee who was having a mental health crisis and my manager had such confidence to support this employee and get them to seek professional help. And when the employee was safe, we had a debrief and my manager said to me that she'd gained the skills to have that conversation through the mental health first aid training program. And that's when I decided that I too wanted to be a mental health first aider and I booked onto the next course. I am a mental health first aider. I am one. I am one. I am one. I am one. Be one too. For more information, contact Passionate Lives on 046 1416. Station sponsor of Inspire Radio. My guest today is Mingya Hansen and we are having a really good time just talking about all things in general related to women in tech. We're talking about how to behave on Facebook, all sorts of good <laughs> stuff. Um, it's an absolute pleasure having you here and I'm keen to find out about your ambassadorship with Are You OK Day. How did it come about? Were you already involved? How did um, it all get, how so did it kick off? It was, uh, it was just a, a series of circumstances that just kind of happened all at once. Um, I ended up at an event um, speaking about social media in Melbourne um, and the person that was supposed to be emceeing the event actually ended up in a, in a car accident and couldn't couldn't, couldn't MC. be there. And because I had some experience in emceeing, I ended up getting you know coerced Asked into the to role. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and one of the speakers was the marketing manager from Are You Okay, Anastasia. And um, I ended up having a brief chat to her just before. She gave her talk and I sort of shared um, like I had lost a family member to suicide, that it was something that I was very passionate about because I had also gone through my own mental health journey after the loss of uh, a partner in a motorcycle accident um, and I'd come close to um, also ending my own life and didn't because I uh, ended up calling Lifeline and subsequently Lifeline saved my life. And that's uh, six years ago now. And so because I had shared that story with her ever so briefly, um, she ended up – I ended up in Sydney like a week later for something else for, for – it was actually for my birthday. Wonderful. and um And I was there to see a, a speaker that I really love, Jason Silver, who runs a, a channel on National Geographic called Shots of Awe. Um, and I really love him as a speaker because he's just so uh, – fascinating to watch and uh, she their office is in Sydney and she asked me to meet up and so I did and they ended up meeting one of the campaign managers and they asked they were she was so moved by my own personal story that she asked if I wanted to become a, or I'd be open to be being a ambassador for are you okay 
Um, and the whole point of the ambassadors is to give a personal voice to the journey. And the the goal of Are You OK, Are you okay is actually to equip people who aren't struggling with mental health um, on how to engage in those conversations. Beautiful. And if I was to ask you for your top three tips to people who are not struggling but have a family member who might be struggling or a friend at school or somebody um you know at work so there's a few things um one is to trust the science so tr- trust your gut especially if you if something feels amiss and something doesn't feel right then then trust it um the other thing is to especially and you can look this up on the are you okay website so are you okay.org.au mm. um the the four conversation points so a lot of people don't realize that there's more than just the question of are you okay Yes. And um, and a lot of my job is explaining to people that there's more than just because a question. Because surely, if it is, if it is, if it ends <laughs> with "Are you okay?", it's a closed question. It's going to be yes or no. So, and a lot of the time, it's um, just going to be yes, I'm fine. So, so a lot of the time, when I say no, people don't know what to do past that. Right. And more often than not, most people um, feel di- quite disabled by the fact that somebody has said, "Oh no, well, I'm not okay." Yes. Um, and so what do you do? And so the four steps um, starts off, obviously, asking the question. Um, and that doesn't have to be in the words of, are you okay? Mm. It can be, hey, you've been on my mind. I just thought I'd check in with you. Or, hey, I had this really weird dream about you and you were a cowboy and I was a <laughs> shark and I don't know what was going on. <laughs> yeah. And you can just have, yeah. like, it doesn't have to be this forced conversation. Yeah. Um, so that's the first step is ask the question. Second step is um, listen without judgment. Well, what I mean by that is don't try and interrupt them and fix the problem. Sometimes all we need is just to talk it out. Understood. And be heard and have somebody listen to us. Um, and often when people try to disrupt or interrupt and try and fix it, it can often make, certainly in my case, it can make me feel even more useless because I can look at me, I can't even talk about my own problem and solve my own problems. Um, and, you know, and that's just my headspace talking. Yes. That's not necessarily the person who's trying to help or support me. Um, but listening without judgment means that it's not your job to fix it. You don't have to have all the tools to fix it. You know, in, in the time it takes to have a cup of coffee, you could save a life. Mm. Right? You could have a conversation that could mm. save a life. Um, so, you know, l- listen without judgment is, uh, for me, it's actually a really important part. Um, the fourth, the third step is encourage action. So that might be asking them, well, have you considered reaching out to a family member that's gone through a similar thing? Or have you considered going on a mental health plan mm. um, with your GP? Or do you want me to go with you to help mm. you go on it? Like yeah. certainly I've had some harrowing experiences of going on a mental health plan and thankfully had a friend with me when I went on my last mental health plan. Um, so having that extra person as a support could be helpful. Yes, um, and a, tr- a trusted person. Certainly right now we have so many people going through a crisis right now in the current climate that is COVID. Yes. Um, and so, you know, just being able to offer up some experiences, even if you've gone through a similar experience, you can go, hey, well, when I went through this experience, yes. these are the things that I did. Or it might even be the honest response of, I don't really know how to help you, but hey, why don't we think up some solutions together? So that in, that third step is encourage action is, mm-hmm. um, is also important. The fourth step is probably the most important step, which is check in. Yes. Check in after just the fact. Don't leave it like that. Don't just leave it as this once-off mm. thing that you did. Check in a week later or two weeks later to say, well, how did you go with that action? How did yes. you go with that process? Or, you know, what happened? Yes. So it's that follow-up. That's fantastic advice. Now, the other thing I want to touch on just briefly is that so many workplaces now have the opportunity for you to actually see a therapist or a counsellor in the workplace. And um, that could also be a a comfortable way of diverting somebody's Um, attention perhaps and offering them advice or help if you feel a little bit helpless. So a lot of workplaces have what's called an EAP, um, which is an employee assistance program. Mm -hmm. Um, And certainly it should be available um, for everybody. It is private and and as well like so a lot of people are fearful like I've had conversations with people who thought that it would impact their insurance 
and they were terrified that if they disclosed that they had a mental health problem, that their insurance yes. would suddenly be cut off. Um, and that's just simply not. It is. Or if they private. told, and like the 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 only thing um, that I will say is if they there's a difference between being truly at risk and thinking about it. Okay. Right? So, like, I've had plenty of times where I've had what's called suicidal ideation where I've thought about the process in which I was going to take my life. Um, And that's at the very pointy end. The whole point of having conversations is to not get to that point. Understood. Right? We can all have conversations with a friend, with a mate, with a family member. Life happens. Stuff happens. Mm. You know, it's not unreasonable for people to be struggling right now. Mm. And it's also um, not going to be a risk to your employment if you mention the fact that you are being treated for depression or that you suffer from anxiety. It should not impact your employment status at all with that company if you do make an appointment yeah. because it, it's a confi- confidential conversation. Yeah. Um, so certainly when it comes to the EAP, that is a confidential mm. conversation. Mm. They are trained psychologists, usually on the end of the phone when you're talking to an EAP. Um, the one thing I will say when it comes to uh, psychological safety in the workplace, there there will be cases out there, and I'm sure there's people that are listening, where they do not feel safe psychologically right. to disclose that they have something going on or mm. stuff going on. Um, I will say that fair work is there to protect you. Um, so, you know, being fired because of something relating to your mental health is not an acceptable form of, of um, yeah, disengagement yeah. in employment. Um, but also making sure that you find a leader or somebody within the business that you do trust that you do feel safe with to have that conversation that you might be struggling or you might be challenged um, will ensure that you're getting the proper help and support that you need. Yeah, beautiful. That is such great advice. There's another area which I'm very mindful to tread very carefully, but I love the fact that you're so direct and so um, completely honest in your dealings with mental health. And that is in youth mental health at the moment. I'm just finding more and more it is no longer just about young people not transitioning into employment and therefore feeling a little bit blue or being a bit down. I found particularly through COVID and the isolation (coughs) that young people are suffering from that this isolation is becoming, it's driving young people more and more um, to internalise their feelings and not really to be able to share and collaborate with friends and say um, I know so and so is feeling a bit down at the moment let's work around her let's really support her or let's really get around him at the moment he's under a lot of pressure Uh, we've got year 11s and year 12s and um, these youngsters have have been put under severe pressure in terms of academics as well at the moment Um, is there any advice um, that you could give to parents of young people. We've got ATAR students who are scrabbling around trying desperately to make up marks. We've got um, young people in leadership positions who have missed a whole half a year, to you know, almost a semester of not standing in their leadership position and now um, they're, you know, almost at the end of their period and uh, it puts a lot of pressure on young people in our area. So a lot of the time um, I have parents who use me as a role model which I, I laugh but I, I guess I understand um, that I'm one of those examples where I was very much an outlier. Uh, I failed year 12 twice. Wow okay. Um, I was a mature age student that went to uni um, because and what's interesting is I failed Year Twelve, I failed TEE, I failed all of the exams. I am not designed for exams at all in okay. any way, shape, or form. And I, um, I study so I you know, and I would study really hard. Yes. And what I didn't realize was I was comparing my journey with PTSD and all of that with anybody that wasn't. That didn't right. right. So I thought, well, you know, clearly there's something wrong with me, but wouldn't change or adjust my perception on how that journey should look. Now I did the mature age stat test, which you can do for I think from the age of nineteen, and I was in the top twenty five percent of the state. 
Wow. And that's how I got into uni. Mm. Um, now, I still didn't finish uni and I dropped out in my last year. <laughs> and, and so, you know, whilst education is important, it's not the end of the world. Mm. There are so many ways for us to get information and knowledge and, and download And so many different pathways, yeah. Now more than ever. We have mm. more technology and more connectivity now more than we ever have in the whole history of humanity. And so if I can maybe ask parents to remind their kids that there is this endless untethered opportunity, they just don't know it yet. Mm. Um, the other side of this, which is, it is a really tough conversation because like you, your world is so infinitely, like for me when I was a teenager, it was so infinitely smaller mm. in comparison to what my world is now. Mm. And I think that connectivity with friends and those social connections is one of the most important things that you can help support to maintain, whether or not as a parent you're helping the kids to connect in a Zoom call mm. and just have a hangout and a chat. Um, you know, whether or not it's just, you know, figuring out how to have more organisers and, and making sure that you're keeping everybody connected to the community. That's probably one of the biggest things that uh, contributes to suicide is when somebody is isolated or disconnected from the rest of the community. Right. Um, right. You know, I think, um, like, I've lost um, a family member who was quite young. He was 15 when he suicided. And um, it was devastating. What do you know? I'm so sorry for your loss. What yeah. do you know when you're that age? Like, it's just, yeah. and, uh, like, just, I, I always say that your situation won't be forever. Correct. But if you if you end your life, that is. There's no going back from that. There's no taxi backsies mm. from there, right? Um, it will get easier. Mm. And this is somebody who's gone through a tremendous amount of trauma. Mm. Like I've gone through so much and like, and I get it. Sometimes it's really hard and mm. sometimes you feel like you can't dig yourself out of that hole. Mm. Um, and you're not meant to do it on your own. So finding that support, getting some support. Yeah, you know, reaching out. Spe- reaching out to your school counsellors, um, you know, even asking them for advice on how to bec- become an RUOK champion, become an RUOK community champion. There's so many resources on the website. Mm. Um, call Lifeline. Like Lifeline saved my yeah. life. And so often, I'm sure you'll agree, Ming, people think that they have to go to people in their own world, in their own environment. But in fact, you could go uh, just as you leave school one afternoon, you could go past Headspace in Rockingham. You could pick up the phone and call Beyond Blue. Some some of the best conversations I've ever had have been with strangers. In fact, I'll I'll share this story. This happened last Friday. Um, I was in an Uber Uber driver with with an Uber uh, on my way home from my regular radio spot on 6PR and the driver was quite um, rattled. A little okay. bit rattled, and he and he asked if it was okay if he could take a call. It was um, personal, and it was and it was a little bit of an emergency. And I'm mm. like, of course, of course, you can take a call. Um, and you know, in the end, he's having a, a conversation with a family member. Um, you know, at, back over in India somewhere, and mm. um, and he was a bit upset after the call. And I was like, you're right. He's like, oh, not really. You know, my brother's uh, you know talking down a spiral. And mm. all I did was, was like, it's okay. He's it's okay for him to feel a little bit untethered at the moment. Mm. Um, here's some resources, and if you can give people resources that will help them to have those conversations, like ultimately that's the best thing you can do is just get, find resources. Yeah. Get if, like before. Um, before I called Lifeline, I I only actually found out about Lifeline two weeks prior to me actually using that phone number. Mm. And it was because I was helping out at a Lifeline brunch with Vince Graffa, um, who's a well-known person in yeah, Perth. Yeah. And I was just volunteering my time. And if it wasn't for that lunch, I actually would never have known about Lifeline and yes. what they did. And so, and that was two weeks prior to me Needing to make that call. call. And with some of the frightening statistics, I recently had a guest on Coffee with Caro and she shared with us that there are so many young people who are the um, lifeline call 
for yeah. their friends. They are the suicide watch person for their own friends. And I'm talking that's 14, a, 15, 16 year olds. And that's a lot of pressure for a young person to be under. So parents out there, if you're listening and you know that your youngster has a vulnerable friend uh, and he or she doesn't want to let go of their phone overnight for a particular reason, you want to unpack that a little bit. You want to find out what's actually going on. And if there's anything that you as a family can do to support that young person who might be feeling vulnerable at that time, because it shouldn't be the responsibility of a young person to be the suicide call, that emergency call for another young person. Sometimes it's going to be. And that's really tough. That's really tough to say that. And it's okay. Um, what I would say is for the people who are being that support mechanism, for the kids that are being that support mechanism, give yourself space, take care of yourself, make sure you've got some self-care and you've got some support in place as well. Yeah. If, so you're, if you're going to be that beacon, and I'm not going to say that anybody shouldn't be, absolutely, the fact that you've stepped up in that role is incredible. Mm. Um but make sure you've also got the support that you need yeah. in order to do that So job. from a parent's point of view as well, if you know your young person is acting as a support for one of their friends for whatever reason, um, step up, ask the question. Don't just say, how was your day? Say, how is it going with ABC friend? Did you cope with that conversation today? Does that person need some support on the weekend? Would it be helpful to have that young person come around to our home on the weekend and share a meal with our family? So you make sure that you take care of the carers. You're tuned into Coffee with Caro. My special guest in the studio is Ming Johansson. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back. And uh, any questions that you've got for Ming, let me know. I'm going to be letting her go shortly. And uh, I'd love to be able to pose your questions before she goes. Some say love, it is a
My name is Mark McGowan and you are listening to Inspire Radio. And it is already just four minutes past one, but I do still have a couple more minutes with Ming. Ming, I can't thank you enough for being a guest today on Coffee with Cara. Thanks, Amy. It's been fabulous and you're so insightful and I love that you just present everything that you share in such an authentic way and so sincerely and so genuine. Thank you very, very much. Um, I want to ask you for any Last thoughts, any last messages that you've got for our listeners in general? Um, so when it comes to mental health, I know that it can often be a really hard um, time to know how to even engage in a conversation. Um, on the Are You OK website, so areyouok.org.au, mm-hmm. there are some really amazing resources from presentations to conversation guidelines to be able to support um, either yourself or your family or your community in being able to engage in these conversations. Last year, the, very much the message of Are You OK was that it wasn't just one day to ask the question, that's a question we can ask every day. Um, this year, it's it, you know, our messaging is actually it's more than just a question. Right, right. So there is so many amazing resources on there. I can't talk enough about them. Um, and you know, if you are in crisis or you are struggling, remember that there are um, phone lines like Lifeline, which I think is uh, 13, 14, 12. Yep, that's on our uh, website yep. as well. So and I'm just about to put the links up. And as well, um, Beyond Blue. And um, just remember that there are resources and there are people out there that can support you and help you through this journey. Beautiful. And listeners, thank you. That's so well said. Thank you, Ming. There are so many um, different activities that are coming up. Of course, please note that Thursday, the 10th of September is Are You OK Day. That's in nine days' time, nine days and eight hours' time to be precise. And um, there are lots and lots of things that you can get involved in, that you can promote throughout your community initiatives in your home, at your school, at church, in your youth groups and in your sporting organisations. You can download a guide to supporting Are You OK Day on their website and just always remember that uh, what what Ming has taught us today, learn what to say after Are You OK. Number one, ask the question. Number two, listen intently without your answer running and without a need to solve the problem. Number three, encourage action support that person to take some sort of concrete action. And number four, most importantly, close the circle. You need to check in with that person. Uh, Ming, thank you so much for joining me today. You've been an absolute star. Appreciate it. And look forward to hearing and seeing more of you, more awards for Women (laughs) in Tech. (laughs) And thank you on behalf of the entire Inspire family and uh, and from our community for the work you do as an OK ambassador, for getting up every day and facing the challenges you face. Thank you very, very much. Thanks. For the community, Inspire Radio.